episode of Free Lunch by the Peak, the podcast where we talk to people way smarter than us about the biggest topics in Canadian business and economics. I'm Taylor Scollin. And I'm Sarah Bartnika. So Sarah, there's a weird thing going on in the economy that I've noticed lately, which is that while a lot of the big tech companies, including Shopify, Lightspeed, some of the big Canadian ones, are laying quite a few people off, the unemployment rate is still at a historic low. Places like Chipotle are hiring a ton of people. I think Walmart just raised their minimum wage across the board. So it's like a tale of two labor markets. Uh, and it's it's been difficult for me to, to wrap my head around that. Are you, have you noticed that? I've definitely been, been noticing that um, certain sectors of the economy, like you said, are seemingly doing really well. And yet every time I open, uh, you know, the business uh, section of the media outlets that I check, uh, it's very, very uh, doom and gloom. But like you said, the, you know, unemployment rate is uh, continues to be low, right? Companies are even in the tech uh, ecosystem are continuing to hire. And I kind of want to figure out what's going on there. Yeah, I wonder how much of it is, you know, these tech layoffs can tell us something real about what's going on in the economy versus the tech layoffs are something that journalists like to cover because, I don't know, they use a lot of these services themselves. I don't want to speculate on motivation, but they do seem to take up a outsized share of, of media coverage about what's going on in the labor market generally. So yeah, I think it would be good to dig into this a little bit more and get to the bottom of of what's going on. And we have a great guest on to do that today. April Fong is the executive editor of The Logic, Canada's business and tech newsroom. She was previously senior digital producer at BNM Bloomberg. And prior to that was a digital producer at The Financial Post. April, thanks so much for joining us on Free Lunch. Thank you for having me. So what we've been seeing a lot of lately, unfortunately, are layoffs in the headlines. Uh, big layoffs at tech companies, around 60,000, I think, was the last count that I saw for layoffs at U.S.-based tech companies this year. And then, of course, in Canada, we've had layoffs at you know, darlings of the tech sector, Lightspeed, Shopify, Hootsuite, places like this. Can you just walk us through why this is happening now and what's changed since you know, two years ago when all these companies were soaring in valuation and seemed to be growing as quickly as possible? Yeah. And actually, I'd say if you take it back, those figures, numbers back even further, right, the the estimated number of layoffs in the tech sector since the start of 2022 is more than 245,000 um, roles. And that's a lot, right? Um, so, Yes, as you mentioned, we're seeing big U.S. tech companies lay off um, workers and like large um, reductions, right? And you know that has impact and implications on operations here in Canada, right? Google has an office, has offices in um, Canada. So does Meta, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and of course, you're also seeing Canadian tech firms such as Hootsuite, Clearco, Lightspeed cutting staff here. Lightspeed, notably. Um, had said, their CEO, J.P. Chauvet, had said last year, we're not going to cut um, staff. And they ended up having to reverse um, that decision, right? Just because of how the economic headwinds or economic uh, conditions have changed. Um, so in, yeah, 2021, there was major growth period, right? Public markets were booming. We were um, into meme stocks. 
Um, and then last year, um, we saw interest rates start to rise, right? And central banks are trying to tamp down inflation. And um, tech stocks were one of the um, sectors that were punished. And um, many companies have started to pull back um, consumer demand. They're seeing consumer demand change in an uncertain economy. And the impact of that has been is younger companies such as Thinkific, which is um, a BC-based online course platform that went public in 2021. Um, well, they had to lay off people for the very first time, right? They went through a huge growth period, um, listed on the TSX, and then um, a couple months later had to make the difficult decision to lay off people for the first time. And um, another really notable layoff that happened um, last year was, of course, Shopify, right? They were one of the first uh, big tech companies in Canada that had to make that decision. And I think it's um, notable to like remember some of the words that Toby, CEO Toby Lutke, used in his memo, which was, you know, he signaled that he had some regret about how they forecasted um, for the the coming years, right? They thought that they were this pandemic fueled growth was going to continue. Consumer demand has changed possibly for you know for a longer term than than what ended up bearing out, and we hired too many people. So now we have to pull back, and there's sort of this correction happening in staffing levels in the tech sector, and um, now we're also seeing companies going into maybe their second or third round of layoffs, and um, you know there's a feeling of, you know, when is, when is this bleeding going to stop? Yeah. Are, are there any differences in how companies are responding to this that you've noticed in the U S versus in Canada in terms of either scale or uh, how they're being impacted? Is there a distinction that we should draw there? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And, um, you know, scale is definitely one of the big things um, the layoffs seem bigger in the U.S., right? Uh, 12,000 people um, for Google. I, what was it, like 8,000 or 10,000 for uh, Microsoft and, and yeah. Meta? And a lot of these U.S. tech companies are having to make, they're making the, some of the biggest um, rounds of layoffs that they've ever made. But, you know, it's interesting to note also that um, for Google, for example, 12,000 layoffs, it's a huge company globally, right? And that represents 6% of staff. Vertical Scope uh, today, which um, has revealed that it laid off 60 people today, um, that's nearly a quarter of its total staff, right? Wow. These, that's a, that, that's, it's a smaller Canadian company, um, but you know the implications could be wider because it, it makes up such a larger proportion of um, mm of other overall workforce. Um, I think the other thing that's really interesting too, that, you know, is worth observing is that there's um, an argument about how Canadian tech firms like have needed to show more ambition, right? And that they should go, go global. They should be homegrown. We should protect our intellectual prop property and not be gobbled up by US firms. And I think like with these layoffs, the questions I have are, like in this time of discipline, what does it take? What does it do to startups and scale-ups and their appetite for risk? Um, will they want to continue to expand mm. into new markets? If they weren't feeling the pinch of slower fundraising, does this make or like does this make them stronger? Because they have to, they will have to expand 
and do so intentionally and in a time of discipline, right? So I think that's like the stage of our companies versus the U.S. tech companies are so different, right? Um, so that's another way that it could impact uh, tech in Canada. The other thing that I wanted to uh, touch on here too is your your point about what this kind of does to startups and and innovation. Um, because on one hand, it's it's horrible that so many people are being laid off, but um, you know you've kind of seen coming out of this right, like you know some ex Shopify people are kind of launching their own companies. I imagine mm. the smarter startups are you know thrilled to pick up some of the talent from these bigger companies. So, do you have a perspective on how it would impact that? the startup kind of ecosystem or innovation more broadly? I think that, you know, we, and we, we wrote a story about this um, at the end of last year about how, you know, there are these uh, downturn entrepreneurs, right, who um, are taking the risk and seeing an opportunity, right? Um, and maybe that is a plus for innovation in Canada, right? Because you're trying to solve for problems that are um, really pressing now, right? Because the problems seem really big. And so hopefully, maybe um, tech entrepreneurs and innovation leaders are, um, you know, buckling down and not going for maybe the next big growth area or the next big thing, but they're going to uh, try to come up with tech solutions for things like climate, um, digital healthcare. Um, those are some of the really um, big problems that Canada faces that need solutions. I wanted to dig in a little bit on uh, some of the causes of the slowdown. And you already alluded to, to some of them in terms of consumer demand and interest rates. And I mean, Obviously, like some things have have changed since the pan pandemic, interest rates being a, a clear example of that. But the stories that a lot of these companies were telling at the time, like Zoom, for example, was like, oh, people's behavior has just changed radically. And that is justifies our our valuation and all this investment and growth. And we are still all using Zoom, right? Like we're all still buying things online. So I'm just curious, like maybe you can talk a bit about why that story is no longer selling, even though the consumer behavior, still it seems, you know, not that different from how things were going in 2021. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think it has a lot to do with um, the pressures that our rising cost of living have put on consumers, right? Um, maybe it's not just about where we're spending our money, whether it's online or in brick and mortar stores, um, but the fact that people are just having to reassess how they're spending, period, right? Like, mm. um, I think that one reason why we're seeing some tech companies getting hit by um, the macroeconomic environment is that um, many successful tech companies, um, especially in Canada, have been SaaS-based businesses, subscription-based businesses, and um, you know, recurring revenue is a is a great business model, right? But um, in this economy, when we're worried about like thirty-seven dollar package of chicken breasts, uh, now maybe people are pulling back on their subscriptions and they're assessing how they're spending their money, right? So, you know, I think one really good example of that is. Um, Netflix, right? So there were concerns that um, 
they weren't growing their um, user base as much because um, people aren't spending as much time at home. They're going out and so they don't need to binge watch everything um, as much. And so um, they're trying to find another area of revenue by adding advertising, right? They um, added a new ad-based tier to attract new users. So it's a cheaper model, right? But then you also get this new revenue stream from advertising. So I think that, you know, there's something to be said about how like we're being hit in um, a bigger way than just e-commerce, right? It's, it's also business to business. There are a lot of business to business tech companies in, in Canada. And um, you know, we're also about, we're, we're also um, trying to navigate a higher U S dollar at one point. And so all of these things have, um, made companies, made consumers have to reassess how they're spending their money. You, you know, assume that inflation is maybe peaked and now coming down, maybe interest rates start to fall by the end of the year. I don't know. But do you think that you see this boom take off again once interest rates start, start to come down and some of those pressures that are weighing on households, on businesses ease up a little bit? Or are we just going to go back to, you know, uh, the hyper growth that we were seeing before, or was that a unique time? I'd love to see what happens. I think that, you know, it's it, a, a, a generally speaking, the investor play is that um, in times of uncertainty, you, you go into more defensive stocks, right? So if you're talking about the stock market, then um, if we're feeling more confident about the economy and, and consumer spending, then maybe investors will jump back into tech stocks. And we're already kind of seeing signs of that, like Meta's results yesterday. Um, they topped analyst expectations, right? And um, yeah, the stock has, has, has gone up from the last time I checked. So, you know, I think that investors are still really interested in, in tech's growth story. And, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Are you seeing investors change in terms of what they're looking for and what they believe in when it comes to a company they want to invest in? I'm not sure. Like, I think that some of our reporting has shown that um, a, a lot of analysts are saying, you know, these were speculative investments, right? We're looking for growth stocks and um, tech, you know, has that vibe, right? And so, you know, I don't, I think that a lot of um, rotations in um, the investment cycle are, are um, respond to the economy as well. I'm wondering what, how do I put this? I guess, how bad do you think this could get? Let's say interest rates remain high. I mean, we've already seen cuts. Is that more of a precautionary thing based on what you're seeing and maybe what you're hearing from people at Canadian tech companies? Are they trying to get ahead of a potential recession now, or is this a situation where uh, some of them are in danger of going under, essentially, or you know, being forced to to sell to a buyer at a fire sale price? I mean, even in times of um, when the times are good, you still see companies like that, right? Um, it depends on how you run your company. And I think it's really hard to paint all of them with the same brush. How bad can it get? I mean, I think that one of the things that has been discussed is that, yeah, we're seeing um, tens of thousands of layoffs, right? But um, some of the 
uh, analysts and economists who we've spoke with have also put this into context to say, well, this is actually still, it's bringing us back to 2019 tech staffing levels, right? And so is it, how bad is it really, right? So I would argue that, you know, at the end of the day, it's a still a tough decision to be a company leader, right? And have to um, say to thousands of staff um, or even one employee, tomorrow you're not coming to work. Um, and this is going to have an impact on your finances and your family. Do you have a sense of how they're of how they're making these decisions internally? Like has any of the logics reporting touched on, you know, whether it is certain departments? Like I know that HR is obviously and like talent recruitment is obviously very affected in in all of this, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and that there might there might be some like performance like metrics too that are, you know, that are coming into play here. But do you have a sense of how companies are are approaching these big decisions in terms of, you know, when you get to the decision to lay off hundreds of people, how are they arriving at, 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 at who those hundred people are? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, again, it depends on the company and what they see as their strategy. Um, I have heard of, um, you know, anecdotally, and I don't have like the data in front of me, but it does make sense that some of the cuts would be happening in um, recruiting departments. I think that um, one thing that has been interesting to watch, and I touched on this earlier, is just the um, global pullback, right? I think in 2021, um, some companies took money, like ClearCo, um, wanting to expand in um, Europe um, or in new markets and um, have since had to cancel those plans, right? And lay off staff. Um, I think the other thing that I, the, the one, the other thing that I would note is that there are still companies hiring, right? And I think that the places that companies are still, tech companies are still hiring for are in engineering, product development, right? And so there's still intentional growth happening, but maybe they're being more strategic with um, how they hire because um, they have to do so in, in this environment. I wanted to ask you about the relationship between the tech sector and the rest of the economy, uh, because the tech layoff had like they dominate the, those layoffs dominate the headlines. We read about them a lot, and it's sort of uh, presented as a indicator of oh my god, everything is going to hell in the economy as a whole. But then you read other headlines like Chipotle is hiring fifteen thousand people, and mm-hmm. uh, you know other companies in the the non-tech world still seem to be doing just fine. So like, what is that relationship between tech and everything else? Can we learn anything about the broader conditions in the economy just based on what's going on in, in tech? Yeah. And the other thing that's, that we should mention too, is that like the unemployment rate, uh, most recent unemployment reading was like one of the lowest. Um, so, like the overall labor market seems to be pretty healthy, right? Um, So I think like there's some important things to remember. The tech sector, while it seems so big, right? um, It's just one part of the overall economy um, and maybe a smaller part. Um, And there are still, like, I'm sure you felt it, right? That um, 
there's still a labor shortage in many parts of our economy. Um, I can't get um, ski lessons at our local ski hill for my children because there's not enough instructors. Um, I'm not crying about that, but that's like just one of the things that I've felt are like a local bakery earlier on in um, or sometime last year had said, we're not doing custom cakes anymore because we just can't hire, find enough staff, right? Um, and so there are different parts of the labor market that are feeling different impacts of whatever we're going through in this economy, right? Because the, the labor market is so interesting right now. We had the great resignation last year. There was quiet quitting. Employers that are trying to bring people back to the uh, to the office five days a week, um, and now we have this like wave of layoffs disrupting what was once like a really high growth labor or talent market, right? And like also anecdotally, I would add that what I've heard is that it's been it hasn't been that challenging to find um, like for late for laid off tech workers. It hasn't been that challenging to find a job afterwards. There are still people who um, can find um, work right after and maybe the wages aren't as high and you don't have as much negotiating power when you're entering that company, but there's still a need for skilled workers in this country. And, um, you know, Chipotle is not um, the same as um, Meta necessarily, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, there's still a labor shortage. I'm wondering about the government. Like, are they reading all these headlines and going, oh, gosh, like, we need to help this tech sector? Like, knowing what, you know, you you know, I'm, I'm sure, which is just that, you know, tech workers are kind of bouncing back pretty quickly even after a layoff. Like, are, are is the government doing anything to kind of intervene to support the tech sector or introducing any kind of incentives or, or has, you know, or, or have they been silent on that piece? Well, I think that in... Um specific sectors the government is trying to um, compete on a global scale, right, to uh, try to attract jobs and encourage um, specific strategic industries, right? And we're seeing this sort of like fight play out with industrial policy from um, China, the US and, and Canada, right? We're um, trying to jockey for position to build out a EV battery supply chain, and with that would come jobs, right? We want to protect our um, quantum and AI um, intellectual property. So there's all these, there's policies that are um, re relevant to um, the health of the tech sector. Um, but I don't know if there's been anything specific where they've been like, we have to protect these jobs. Um, so th another interesting thing, um, development has been you know, AI has, has been something that I think Canada has really championed as a sector, right? And Google's um, Google's layoffs, the 12,000 layoffs that I mentioned earlier, uh, one of the um, effects has been the closure of uh, DeepMind Alberta, which is um, part of Google's AI research lab, or was. And, you know, there are some jobs there and th that was seen as a really crucial um, entity to AI, Canadian AI um, in overall. Is that a good example of like how, you know, to some degree, U.S. companies have a bit of a hold on like the innovation that we see, you know, up here in the development of certain kind of critical industries like AI, like, you know, building out the battery supply chain? 
I'm not sure. Like, I think, you know, one really interesting development is yesterday we had a scoop by reporter Jesse Snyder um, where he spoke with Richard Sutton, who was the um, leader of DeepMind Alberta. And he said, um, you know, I- I'm I'm eager, I'm thinking about starting my own AI venture. Um, and so, you know, whether or not he needs Google to do that, right. you know, that's still in question. But I, I think that there are still <clears throat> questions about how perhaps the money, um, like the where the funding will come from. You had a big tech company um, funding that um, research lab. So um, where does it come from now? Maybe we can turn to fundraising for a moment here. Uh, obviously, 2021 was a big year for Canadian tech IPOs and deals, and then 2022, uh, not so great. Are you seeing any indications of how 2023 is going to go in this regard? One of our reporters, Alexander Sagan, um, has been covering um, the IPO market in the innovation economy um, for us every quarter. And so... In 2022, um, she found that there was only one, she reported that there was only one innovation economy um, firm that held an IPO on the TSX, and that was Bosch and Long in the second quarter. And that's, you know, that's one. And in comparison, in 2021, um, there were 25, right? So we've gone from 25 to one. That shows that, like we were talking about before, how investors were favoring more defensive plays rather than riskier new investments. It's probably not a good time to list on the TSX when investors don't have the appetite maybe to put their money in uh, new companies that are listing on um, the TSX. So um, in Alex's reporting, um, some of the analysts told her that, you know, there are some companies that we might want to watch that may go public, but everyone is really in wait and see mode to see if, you know, the markets come back to tech stocks, right? There are kind of a couple companies to watch, right? And one of them is um, actually in the US, uh, you know, Instacart, the grocery delivery app. Yeah. Um, so that was founded by a University of Waterloo graduate. And that company has been, you know, going back and forth and has been long considered to be looking to um, file for an IPO. Um, and it had started the process um, in the spring in the spring last year, but um, it's you know froze its decision and s- since said no thanks. I'm, we're going to look for another window. You know, it really is. It's this isn't a, a concrete answer, but I really think that companies are just you know waiting in the sidelines. They might still want to go public um, if they need the the cash, especially. Um, and there are a couple of ones to watch, but it's really wait and see for 2023. It seems like there's a, a ton of money um, at the moment flowing into AI and, and quantum computing. Is there any is, is there any sense that any of it might be a bit overhyped, like, you know, investors and, and VCs needing to focus uh, money on, you know, something else now that crypto isn't, you know, really as, as attractive? Or, or do you think that it's it's warranted and we're going to kind of continue, you know, on this on this wave? Yeah, I think it it always seems like we're looking for the next big thing. Oh, yeah. Right. And um, 
you know, crypto had its moment. And I would argue that it's still having a moment. Anecdotally, I've heard that, you know, at the Davos World Economic Forum, it was a lot of crypto um, people there, right? Like the good times still still seem to be happening for some in the sector. And um, thank God. <laughs> we were so worried. <laughs> and there's, I mean, there's so much promising technology with blockchain technology, right? So this is something that Claire Brownell, one of our reporters at um, The Logic, has, you know, discussed a lot and reported on a lot. But there's a difference between a bad business, badly run business, and what crypto and blockchain can be, right? And the actual technology of it. I know that we're running short on time here. So I do want to get your your take on whether there's any interesting Canadian tech companies that maybe we haven't heard about, like not Shopify, that we should be keeping our eyes on or you think deserve a little bit more attention or just anything that's kind of flying under the radar that people should uh, should know about? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I am really excited to watch um, what happens in Canadian AI this year. So some of the companies that we've already talked about, I, I think, um, are ones to watch. And I'm going to borrow from um, an answer that I heard um, at a panel last week when that I was moderating at the Canadian Club. Um, Sandpiper Ventures, um, Rhiannon Davies from Sandpiper Ventures was talking about um, how, you know, the sectors that she's watching this year are digital health and climate. And um, I agree with her. Like, I think that these are um, the companies in those spaces are purpose driven companies um, that are trying to provide solutions for pressing issues that we're dealing with right now in the world. Right. And so it's not the next big thing, but maybe it should be. Before we let you go, April, I mean, did see that you were moderating that. So wondering if you could give us a bit of uh, access into that you were talking about. Was there anything else that came out of that conversation that you think was, you know, particularly interesting? Anything that the panelists flagged? So I, when I was preparing for that event, it was um, after that the news came out that um, DeepMind Alberta was going to be shut down. And there were also like a number of layoffs that had happened that week um, in the Canadian tech scene. And I think, um, so I, I think I was feeling like, you know, this is a tough time for tech right now. And it's a sector that I've been covering for many years. Um, and the message though, that, um, Rhiannon, um, and the CEO of Borowell, Eva, Eva Wong, and, um, Lisa Melchior from Virtue Capital, the message that they had was one of optimism. Yes, the times are tough, but this is um, a time where great things can happen in Canadian tech if we do so with discipline. Great. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you, April. That was great. All right, Sarah. Well, I like that last question of yours. Uh, it seems like you're trying to get the inside scoop on what's going on in the Canadian club without paying for a ticket. So very clever. Of course. And, um, you know, I, you know, some of those events can be a little bit 
stuffy. I used to go, you know, when I worked at BMO, we would get tickets, but like other times, like they fill the room with such interesting people, right? You have to deal with the kind of mediocre and seasonless lunch, but it's so worth it for the knowledge that you, that you take away. So I'm really glad that April was, April was able to give us a bit of insight into, into her panel. Yeah. Well, you know, if you want a better lunch option, I recommend going to Chipotle. It's delicious and you can't beat the price. That's why they're hiring so many people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, noticing. lunch lunch options aside, uh, th- I thought that was an interesting conversation. Um, I, I guess my main takeaway from it was that this is maybe not as bad as it's being uh, portrayed, like in a lot of uh, a lot a lot of media coverage for the broader economy. Obviously, if you're one of the people who has lost their job at a tech company, or you're maybe trying to negotiate for higher pay right now and you're in a role that's vulnerable to these cuts, that is a, an awful position to be in. Um, but for everyone else, I don't know how much we can really learn about the bigger you know, picture for workers based on what's going on in tech. Yeah, it, it seems like all of this, I mean, like April mentioned, like the people working at these companies are incredibly capable. A lot of them are in highly specialized roles, right? They're not going to have a problem kind of blending, you know, into, you know, the next kind of startup that comes along. And so a lot of people are going to be fine. There are, of course, kind of different, um, you know, specialties within these companies that, you know, might be hurting a little bit more, whether it is, you know, recruiting or whether it's even like a, a sales role, right? The people selling these types of software solutions. So um, it, it's definitely, there's a bit of an, an imbalance balance there with how this is all all shaking out. But I mean, relative to the broader economy, it is a pretty small piece. Um, what makes me sad, though, is that when we talk about this, I mean, whatever way you look at it, it does set us back a little bit. And, and when I say that, I kind of just mean the developments of Canadian tech. It felt like, you know, we finally had, you know, Shopify, we finally had like a light speed. We had these really exciting companies that everyone was kind of getting behind and were, you know, kind of recognized on a global scale. And, and I hope that we get back to a point where, you know, other companies do emerge, but this kind of just feels a bit, a bit sad in that respect, right? That, that we were, you know, we were really getting there and, and, and now uh, it, it's kind of slowing down or, or at least for a bit setback. Well, a lot of the big companies that we like household names now were created by people during the dot-com bust, right? In the early 2000s. So maybe this will be another one of those times where people, uh, you know, unfortunately lose their job, but end up taking on some sort of entrepreneurial activity as a result of that. Yeah, I, I liked April's comments, actually. I think she said that, you know, luckily there's a lot of problems nowadays. And, you know, when you have so many problems in the world, it, you know, it can require some tech solutions to, to get right. to the bottom of fixing that. She mentioned healthcare, you know, which we which we had an episode on uh, just a couple of weeks ago talking about some of the uh, the issues kind of plaguing that system. And so, you know, I like the spin on that, that, you know, there's a ton of problems, but you know, tech might be part of the, the solution and gives a lot of, uh, you know, can get the creative juices flowing of some people that might unfortunately, you know, find themselves, you know, out of work or just be looking to, to kind of even transition careers uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see how it goes. I guess this will be a big year now that the central bank has stopped raising rates for now, at least. Um, and we'll see, I guess, how that impacts tech over the next few months. But should we leave it there for now? I think so. Well, this has been another episode of Free Lunch by the Peak. I'm your co-host, Taylor Scullin. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor Scullin. 
And I'm Sarah Bartnika. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Bartnika. And make sure to subscribe to our daily business newsletter, The Peak, at readthepeak.com. And if you enjoyed this episode and want more, search and follow Free Lunch by The Peak wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week. Thank you.